On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Jet Wolf and Hannah Summer. They are from the band Gray, which, and I love this quote, they are the progressively independent band from Daytona Beach, Florida. They have a new album out called So Far So Good and a new single called Over My Head. We're going to talk about that and the state of classic rock and roll and, and maybe solve some of this country's pressing issues. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, thank you, Kelly. Oh, you bet. And and I won't require you to solve all the pressing issues, but may, maybe one or two. Uh, we can try, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I want to know, what was the 4th of July like for you guys in Florida this year? It was uneventful for the two of us, personally, um, where we tend to be a little reclusive when we're not working. Um, but as far as I know, things went ahead pretty much as normal. You know, the the city still did their fireworks, and Lord knows the neighbors were still shooting off theirs. Um so it was relatively normal here. I'm not sure how it was for the rest of the country, though. Right, right. Well, I know one thing that's cool is, you know, with COVID, you guys couldn't perform as much, but that seems to be opening up. And I'm looking online and seeing that you've got some gigs coming up. So are you guys going to be touring or playing some gigs this summer? Yeah, we've been working. We've been very fortunate um, that Florida has pretty much been open for you know, most of the year. So we've been working pretty steadily and are just going to kind of continue to, to work here locally. The trouble is that the rest of the country is not really so open, so it's hard for us to travel right now. But we're hoping very soon that we'll be able to, because we've got a brand-new shiny tour bus that we're just itching to take out on the road. So, <laughs> Well, you know, when you put out a new album, you always want to promote it. This, you know, so far so good. This is your fifth album, which is amazing in itself. You got, you know, a lot of singles you've been promoting um, over my head, which I've been listening to. You know, it's just begging. You know, it's, it's such a rocker. It just seems like when you put out something like this, you just want to, you know, rock really hard for a live audience. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you rocking out to it for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it definitely, it's a great album for a live setting. It, there's not a single one of the songs that doesn't translate well live. So. Mm -hmm. Now, Jet, you are a guitarist and vocalist for the band, um, and I know you guys spend a lot of time writing, you know, this music. What was the process this time, and, and just, you know, what are your favorite songs from this album? Yeah, um, the, the process is always, it's, it's incredibly organic. Uh, we practice at least once every week, and, you know, while we're setting up, you know, somebody's finagling with their mix or their settings. You know, the band jams a lot, and then just little ideas sprout out through stuff like that. With this, um, with this particular album, we, you know, we've done like a, a lot of different genres of music in a way, you know, and we mm -hmm. definitely wanted to up like the gritty tone and the rock nature and become, you know, like a, a, a band that's a little more direction in the southern rock and rock kind of hemisphere of the world. Mm-hmm. So, well, I definitely hear those so influences can, in this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, we um, we it's it's a lot of our original material that we played before this album is great, but it's also it's genreless in a way where it's not as tangible. Um, when you listen to the songs on this record, you know they're rock songs. You can they're you know like we meticulously we put the hooks in there. We put the you know, something that grabs your attention. You know, we don't want people to overthink the music. We love progressive rock and all the crazy stuff like that, but we didn't want to overthink it. You know, we wanted it to be a really solid rock record. Um, like, my favorite song is actually Over My Head as well. And that particular process, um, most of the time the band writes, you know, there are individual parts. Um, I came in with that song um, pretty much finished. I just played an acoustic guitar and uh, structured it out. And I brought it in and the band played it and they arranged their parts. We changed the structure a little bit. Um, but um, that particular song is just really driving. I really like the chorus section. It gets real heavy. It's like the time signature, it, it cuts. And it reminds me of like a very Stone Temple Pilots kind of approach to 
mm-hmm. basically all the instruments. And um, our drummer had noted, he was like, and it was very, the rest of it was a very Van Halen uh, and Kinks, like you really got me. It, a lick that kind of has that punch and pull with it, you know, that gets people into their groove right away. Well, people are fans of 70s classic rock. I think right away they would like Grey. You know, even though, you know, you call yourselves progressively um, independent, you, you're definitely a modern group. But yeah, I also think that, yeah, but I also think that, um, you know, people who love classic rock would really take to you guys right away. I mean, do you find that your audience has a lot of, you know, young people, but also people, you know, maybe their parents say, hey, you know, I grew up listening to my mom and dad's albums and, and you know, and I really like you guys, too. Yeah, we're definitely pretty lucky that um, the the audience that likes us is a, a pretty wide range of ages. Um, you know, we also play a, a few covers when we play out live just because you have to get them to trust you a little bit before you throw your original stuff at them. Um, but we play things like Yes and Heart and, you know, so a lot of those bands that we sort of tried to bake into our original stuff so that that grabs the older generation and makes them trust you. And as soon as we play the original stuff, I think that the younger generation is so starved of music that, that speaks to, to the brain, I guess, um, (laughs) for lack of a better word, that they, they grab it instantly and they love it too. So it's definitely, um, we've, we've seen from playing the album out live quite a few times now, that uh, it grabs everybody in in different Mm -hmm. ways for different songs. So it's been really cool. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of Heart, you know, I saw your great cover of Heartless by Heart. And, um, you know, it's hard not to compare your vocals to someone like Ann Wilson. You know, I've heard people compare to Pat Benatar, maybe even a little Alanis Morissette, you know, but, the the whole thing with you know women women in rock is so in the air you know with the go go's and the you know rock and roll hall of fame and and I hope we're at this point where you know we don't need to you know constantly you know say hey don't miss out on the women in rock but again you know it's never enough there's never enough representation but I'm just wondering for you you know how did you feel when the go go's got inducted and you know what other you know women in rock do you think really haven't got their due yet? Um, to be honest with you, I'm not, I, I haven't really kept up too much with um, the recent inductions. Um, but I, I just think that like now, especially I, I don't think I could name you a contemporary of mine that's in the rock scene right now. I'm trying to think. Every, I mean, everyone's kind of bridged over into the, the more poppy top 100 type of a thing, which I hope has left space open for people like me, because I know that we're out there um, to really sort of bring the genre back, I guess. Because mm-hmm. there's sort of a vacuum, both for just, I think, you know, classic rock right now in general. And, you know, the gutsy female vocalists, you know, that you represent, I mean, back when, you know, Janice Joplin, Tina Turner, I think, remember in the 90s, Alana Miles singing Black Velvet, you know, where have all those singers gone? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. And it's kind of unfortunate. And I don't, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but, um, you know, I, I don't think that women in rock or in music in general, I don't think that it has to be about being vulgar. I think that it's really shifted toward that and not that there isn't a place to be sexy and beautiful and, you know, rock your heart out on stage. But I just don't know that that's like representing women in music in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is just from, you know, the vocal standpoint, just to get a chance to let your voice soar the way you can in these songs that you guys have written. Yeah, oh, absolutely. No, and I'm I'm lucky to have a group of guys that's sort of willing to let me do whatever I do and they certainly push me to my limit and past what I what I think I'm capable of. That uh, that definitely happened when we were tracking this record. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I was reading on Over My Head, the latest single, that in spite of the challenges of 2020, that, you know, this song does have, you know, a, a positive outlook. Did you find that was like a turning point for you saying, hey, you know, we can't just write about doom and gloom, but, you know, let's have a positive message in this album? Yeah, I think we made that decision very early on, not just with Over My Head, but with the whole thing, because it, it was hard to remove the project completely from the situation because, I mean, it took over the whole world there for a minute. Um, but, yeah, we we definitely saw being off for three months as an opportunity to really devote ourselves entirely to the project and, and turn it into something that's positive and encouraging and inspiring. There was so much, so much negative and it kind of steeped itself into the music and we really didn't want to do that. Well, it seems to be working because, uh, especially with, you know, the title tracks so far, so good. Plus your other singles, Growing Pains, I Don't Mind, all three of those charted uh, at number one on the Euro Indie Music Chart, which, you know, three consecutive singles. So you guys must be feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, we we feel uh, it's surreal. It's surreal to have been able to make a, a project, a whole body of work, and then to have it be received so well in the midst of all the crazy. It's been wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm most curious. What are the hidden pockets, not just in the country, but around the world, where people have discovered you? You know, what's some unexpected country where you have this, like, pocket of gray fans? Um, The one that comes to mind immediately is uh, Waterlooville over in England. Uh, Our friend Martin has a station over there called The Flash, and he has just been, like, our biggest cheerleader through this whole thing. He found us. Um, I, th- I think earlier on, sort of when the world was more on fire, um, and he he has just supported us to no end. And I think that when we finally are able to make our way over there, we'll, we will just have this army of people ready to see us because mm-hmm. of him. We mentioned the Kinks influence in one of your songs. Are there a lot of other classic, you know, UK bands from the '70s that influenced you? Little yeah, Led Zeppelin, yeah, maybe. Oh yes, yes, for sure. I mean, I mean, they're probably the greatest rock band of all time. Um, you know, I like other bands more, but the influence that they brought to the table and just you know basically showed this their music to the world and said, "Hey, check this out. Nobody's doing this. What do you guys think?" And the world fell in love with that. And I really love. Um, there's a lot about the English side of music that I love. I think this. I think narratively. I think melodically, narratively, tonally, I think a lot of it is just so pristine and so refined. Like like we were saying, you know, we cover Yes's Roundabout. We love the progressive rock scene, and especially the English progressive rock scene where it came out. You know, we're big Genesis fans, um, mm-hmm. and and there's there's so much there's there was just so much music musicality to their to their writing you know it's so wonderful to listen to and it's timeless and i think that's the key word you know you want to be timeless you don't want to you don't want to lock yourself in and um you know and you don't want to have the shelf life of like a week you know you don't want to write a song that everyone listens to for a a week and then you go away forever and people forget you know Mm -hmm. well what do people think in daytona beach where you guys play i mean is there a hard rocking scene there, or are you guys a little bit different than the other bands there? Yeah, here, um, the, well, you know, the thing about a place like Daytona Beach is that, you know, nobody's really from here. You know, everybody ends mm-hmm. up coming here, you know, at some point in their life. You know, most people from Florida are from up north, or, you know, in the middle of America that travel down here and like to climb it and stay. So we get a lot of people who do really enjoy the music because it's different from where they have come from. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, we're from Florida and we're a rock band. So just because of that, a lot of people you know, believe that we are southern, a southern rock band. And I think we are tonally uh, and in the writing style of that. You know, It's hard not to be inspired by like 
by, you know, Leonard Skinner and the Allman Brothers and Rosing, the Rosington Collins Band. I mean, they were all so, they were just such powerful and great musicians, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like that energy is still in the area. You know, we, even, we went to the same high school that uh, the Allman Brothers came out of, Seabreeze High School. I'm actually sitting outside at Seabreeze High School right now. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, and the uh, Florida Georgia line, they came out of Seabreeze, too. You know, there's a lot of music in this area, and especially Gainesville, you know, because you got Stephen Stills that came out of there and Petty, you know. Mm-hmm. Just some of the best musicians, I think, of the, you know, the 60s and the 70s going onward. Well, one thing I detected, I can't remember which song, um, but I detected a real strong country rock influence. And I don't know how much of that is more from the current album, but do you, do you feel like a little bit of country or maybe even, you know, bluesy country has seeped into your music? I think so, yeah. De- definitely like a southern rock type of a thing. And Jet, I heard you start to say something, so I'll let you take it, but... I think oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Hannah. No, that was it. Well, I, yeah, I definitely think so, Kelly. I um, we with this with this certain approach, I, I, I love all stringed instruments. Just being a guitar player, so I do like to you know play the banjo. I've got a lap slide steel guitar. Um, I think the track you might be thinking of it might be "Play God." Um, it's it's a pretty bouncy tune, and there's another one on there that's "Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda." that actually has a banjo part in it. And um, my my background is actually mostly on the acoustic guitar with kind of like a uh, folk country rock kind of approach. Kind of, like you said, it's got blues influences as well. So I like to, I like to bring that kind of flavor to the music. Mm-hmm. And when we sat down uh, with uh, our drummer, Ray, who helps us produce everything, you know, we we took a different approach to it. I said, what do you think about a banjo? Or, hey, can I put some steel guitar on these? I mean, what do you think? And we tried it, and we really liked it. So it actually stayed on there, and, you know. I think it became part of the sound. Well, so far, so good is your fifth album. Would you say on this album that a unique gray sound is really coming together? Maybe in a way it hasn't been on your previous albums. Do you feel like you're, you're getting a trademark sound? I, I think we've definitely, every time we release a body of work, we narrow it down further. Um, we've definitely made the choice in the last, you know, couple of years with the last couple records to be a lot more deliberate about the way that we write songs, not just musically, but lyrically too, so that they're much more tangible for people because as much fun as it is to do the very like eclectic esoteric thing um it's not always the most relatable so uh yeah i think we we sort of tried to do the best we could at like unifying the sound or giving ourselves more of a genre um in the last record under the weather which actually was our our fifth record this is going to be our sixth oh your sixth Um, okay yeah, and this one, this one, I think we we this is the most accurate representation of the band sound that has been released yet. Which is yeah, important. I do agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Hannah. I think it feels like it feels like this album is the one we've been building up to. You know, that we've you know, every time we do another album, we think, what can we do better? You know, let's streamline this. Let's make this absolutely solid every second. You know, we don't want to waste any time players or as you want and we want people to listen to the whole song and um you know we don't want anyone to skip so that was it does it feels like all the time spent playing live and all the time at practice and all the time writing all the time recording prior to this album was for this album Mm -hmm. and you guys have played a lot i mean just looking at some of your live videos and you know playing places like the hard rock cafe which, you know, a blend of covers and originals. But what's that point a band gets to where you've taken your influences from your favorite songs and then you forge this unique sound and you give up a lot of those covers and the percentage of your originals gets bigger. That's a little scarier thing. You know, you get the sure thing 
from playing the covers, but you really want to get your unique sound out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for, for better or for worse, when we started out doing this thing almost 10 years ago, we've pretty much thrown our originals at people from the very beginning and they were not always great. Um, <laughs> but so I, I think we've never lacked the confidence to, to try things and to play our original music. But now that we've streamlined the sound and it's so much more palatable, it's so nice to look out into a crowd when we're playing our original stuff that's really enjoying it. And, you know, if, if you don't tell them beforehand, they just think that it's a cover that they haven't heard before, which I suppose mm-hmm. is true. Um, <laughs> and, and you tell them that it's yours and they can't believe it. So... How about getting to the point where other bands are covering your originals? Well, that, that would be awesome. That would be the dream. <laughs> we have had a, a couple of people over the years do a few of our songs. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's like the ultimate honor when that happens. Because you, you never think that you'll get to that point. Well, what would you say is the most recognizable of all your originals? Hmm. I don't know. I think I think Lucky um, is a, a pretty good a pretty good representation of the band as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. It's it has over a million views on the music video on YouTube. It was actually nominated um, for a Grammy for Song of the Year this year. Um, wow! I, I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah, thank you. Very nice. Well, that that's a huge accomplishment. And again, like you were saying, you know, this latest album, it seems like so many things gelled, you know, as performers, but also songwriters. You know, what would you say, like, if if no one has heard of Grey before, they're going to check out your album, how should they approach it? Like, you know, if if they're a country rocker, if they're a classic rocker, you know, what do you think are the entry points on this album? I, I definitely think um, it's a Southern rock album. I do. I think, I mean, it's got some, you know, it's also, it had some more pop influences at times, but I do think it's like a true Southern rock album, you know, or, at the, or, you know, less specifically, I think it's a true rock album, you know, in the spirit of, of the productions that like, you know, Ann Wilson and Hart and, and Pat Benatar, you know, considering Hannah is the, uh, the star, she's the lead vocalist. She drives everything. And the band is always there to support her. And that's always been one of my favorite qualities about bands like Hart and Pat Benatar is that they, it's like Hannah said, they were so cohesive. There was a, there was a, there was a, a vision and they, and they really carried out on it. So I think just going at it and, you know, listening to the whole album and the mindset that it's like Hart, you know, it's like Pat Benatar, it's, it's something new, but it's something relatable and classic and old. You know, we, like I said, it's nice for our music to be timeless, and I think that's what we what we want it to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that regardless of who you are and what kind of music you like to listen to, there is something on it for everyone. So I would just say to go into it with an open mind and, and enjoy it, hopefully. Well, your kind of music is what they used to call arena rock. I don't even know, you know, in this COVID world, what arenas are doing nowadays. But, you know, you've played some good clubs and some good-sized places. But, you know, what would be your dream place? You know, going over to the U.K., like Wembley Stadium, or, you know, what would be your dream arena to play in? Ooh, I don't know about arenas, but I would love to play Red Rocks. Yeah, I I definitely, personally, I'd love to play – I think every I think every player wants to play Carnegie Hall. You know, it's it's like a it's like a rite of passage. You know, oh, yeah. a lot of my favorite performances are at Carnegie Hall. Like the Bill Withers live recording at Carnegie Hall is just stellar. I mean, countless countless uh, musicians. And uh, but I think also just traveling too. I I loved, I I would think we would really rock japan i think they would really like us in japan i think they'd really like us in europe mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'd just be looking forward to playing all over the world you know it'd be wonderful to play in the netherlands and ireland stuff like mm-hmm. that 
My favorite question to ask people is, you know, if you could choose, you know, one or two bands to tour with, who do you think would compliment you? Not that you'd have to be exactly like them, but where their fans would really like your music, your fans would like their music. I would love to be on a bill with heart, even though it's mm-hmm. difficult to put, I think it's hard to put two female leads together sometimes. I think that would just, I mean, that would like fulfill every dream that I've ever had. Um, so selfishly, mm-hmm. I would want to do that. But I'm, in terms of bands that are like maybe more, contem- I guess the part is contemporary to me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe like Buck Cherry or... Uh, trying to think maybe or maybe a wild card maybe a wild card country band that you think might have a good crossover Ooh, yeah. um, maybe like a like a little river band kind of a thing would be cool mm-hmm. too maybe yeah, miranda lambert oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah I think, <laughs> I think it would work too with a lot of the outlaw country guys too um you know, because there's there's enough of us that makes us a unique in that realm, that genre of music, but there's enough of us that makes us similar to it. And I think people would really enjoy that if it was, you know, um, that outlaw country kind of vibe. Sort of a, a Waylon Jennings kind of... Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And there's even, you know, I mean, like, even um, as... Yeah, I just saw, um, I mean, people like Aaron Lewis, I think we would uh, work with somebody like that, definitely. Personally, mm-hmm. I do like the prog rock stuff, too, so I, I th- it would be mind-blowing to open and play with Kansas, you know, that mm-hmm. would, but um, I, I also think um, maybe even more contemporary, I think even in the pop world, I think maybe even playing with Ed Sheeran, I think if those people who are fans of him even though, like I said, he's a, a bit more contemporary pop, I think there is enough that people would like with us, and I think they, they would really enjoy us. You know, I think if people really enjoy a lot, they just aren't, um, they just don't see it until they hear it, you know, until they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, pop music is so dominated by EDM and dance music and different things. Would you guys ever have one of your songs remixed for the dance charts? Uh, go ahead, Hannah. Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, I'm I'm sort of always interested to see like what another person's take on it would be, because it it would be so far in the opposite direction that it, it mm-hmm. might work. Who knows? Yeah, I think it, I think it'd be pretty cool. I'm always I always like you know like Hannah said, a new vision of something is is refreshing. You know, you can always learn from other people's music too, which is great. So I think yeah, I think it'd be cool. Well, do you think it's important to get out of your comfort zone every now and then? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah especially when it comes to art in general, you know, writing. Um, like as an author or a musician or a painter, you do. You have to challenge yourself. And being challenged is, is difficult. It is uncomfortable, but, it's, but it is so worthwhile. Remember a few years back when Robert Plant did that album with Alison Krauss and you thought, oh my goodness, you know, heavy metal with bluegrass and yet somehow it worked and really, you know, it was very successful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You know, it makes me think of like, um, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar. I think, I don't know, it was, I think it's Beck's latest album or maybe two albums ago. He infused like a lot of, a lot of uh, blues and country into his stuff, and it was Beck, and I thought it was great. It actually won album of the year, you know. So it's when people start trying things out, sometimes it really works. Well, collaboration's so important, and I know for for you guys on your albums, you always you know have great people in the studio and engineers and mixers and things. I mean, how important is that in, in your records? In, and are there other dream, you know, producers you'd like to work with? Well, you know, when we go into the studio, it um, it's it's a pretty uh, core, it's a pretty tight team. It's a core of people. Um, I personally don't have any uh, dream producers. We um, 
would want to work with. But I do have dream locations. Like, I would love to take this, the next record that we do and record it in studio in out in the country. I think that mm-hmm. would be amazing. You know, that's where they did the Left Overture and Masks, the Kansas works. And, and like I said, it's always nice because we have people who are part of the team who are connected and, and you know, can give us direction and guide us a little bit. And it's really nice that they do that. We, you know, we really appreciate the extra, especially with the extra help, with, especially from people with influence who, you know, who have proven methods and stuff like that. What do you think, Anna? Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. I can't think of like a, a dream producer because we have narrowed down the team to people that I really trust to give me good direction now. Um, and I, it, it's like you, I mean, studio in the country is sort of the next big like milestone studio to go to because we've been to fame. Uh, we did Under the Weather at Fame in Muscle Shoals in Alabama. And this one was done at Plush. Um, which is actually right here in Florida. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's more about the destination and, like, the sound of the room for me and the mm-hmm. sound of the console, too. Every console has a, it's a different beast. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember uh, you, you mentioned mus- Muscle Shoals, which, you know, is such a historic place. When you're in a place like that, do you feel the history of it? Do you feel the other singers who have been there? It was incredibly intimidating, I'll be honest with you, but um, it was so special. You know, the the story that I always tell is that in the main room that they do the recording in, I was setting up to track some vocals, and I couldn't quite get my my angling right um, in one of the the bigger climbs. And the engineer came over the the comm at me and said, just look up and sing it, Etta, and you'll be fine. And along the ceiling or along the walls, like right up to the ceiling, there were all of these pictures of all the greats that had been there. And it was Arisa and Wilson Pickett and Etta James. And um, it was it was really an unforgettable, very special experience to stand where they stood and, and make music there. You know, there's been a couple of big uh, biographies, uh, movies, what do you call that, a biopic, you know, with uh, the one about Elton John, the one about Freddie Mercury. And they always have these scenes in the recording studio. And mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, they, they never quite seem accurate to what the reality of recording is. And, you know, it, it's a movie, so they're just going to pick those peak moments. But do you ever think they a movie has really captured the essence of what it's like to record an album? Sometimes they do. Um, I'm not sure about the the biopics so much because, like you said, it is a a film, so they're looking to elicit a very specific reaction. Um, But like the the Muscle Shoals documentary that was done, um, Echoes in the Canyon is another one where they they have the real footage of of the days that they spent there, um, which is always Mm -hmm. really cool to see because it's never quite what you think it is. Yeah, it is. You know, it's interesting because it's like the music production in retrospect. Um, it's always important, but in retrospect, it just looks bigger than life, larger than life. But in the moment, you're just, it's like you're going to work. You know, you're punching in the clock, you're you are ready to go, and you're, you, you almost don't think the next step. You, you, you create this song, and then it grows, and it forms this life that you never anticipated and it, it just goes beyond, like, who you are. You know, it's hard to capture that. Because this isn't the whole thing about the studio. You prepare as much as you can, but when you're there, you also have to be open and spontaneous. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Things can change in the blink of an eye, and uh, you just have to be ready for that. Yeah, absolutely. We re- When we recorded in Fame, um, a lot of the material actually – it's like magic. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like the room transformed a lot of the material and really gave it a more R&B-based, like, soulful groove where we were trying to come at it with a little more angst and, a, you know, a little more gain and a little more rock. But the room itself shaped us as players. Yeah, it, it was like magic because it was completely unintentional. I'm always surprised when I hear bands say, oh, yeah, in between takes – 
we went out in the lobby and, you know, in 15 minutes I wrote this song and it became their biggest hit or even bands who just, you know, book a space, show up and write it on the spot, which I think is just insane. Because, I mean, do you guys ever, uh, you know, plan it that loose or do you just have everything written down to, you know, the exact note? How, how flexible are you on actually composing while you're in the studio? They call us one take gray. Um, so we're, we're generally speaking pretty, pretty much prepared. Everything's pretty much set in stone when we arrive. Not that we're not open to things changing because sometimes they do. Um, but we're, we're very well rehearsed when we go into the studio because it, it, time is money. So you don't want to, you don't want to get there with nothing and then spend tens of thousands of dollars writing the album. Exactly. Well, then you hear stories, what was it, you know, Fleetwood Mac in their heyday, I think on the Tusk album, when they just took this enormous amount of time and experimenting with the sounds. I think this was mostly Lindsey Buckingham and overdubs and, you know, all this stuff. You know, when you, when you hear about an album like that, where they've just taken months to work on it, I mean, what goes through your mind? Well, I mean, it's, oh, go ahead, Anna. Oh, I was just going to say, we, we definitely also take months to work on things as well. We just do it in our studio space. Okay, with, so you do it without the meter running. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's, we, well, I mean, it, we do, you know, it's the same time. We just front load it, you know, it's all preparation. It's all... Yeah. It is in preparation for because sometimes, you know, we play a lot of our original stuff before we record it live. So we like to see the, like the feedback in real time, you know, with an audience. And um, the more you play it, you know, some parts develop inside the songs naturally when you play live. And so the more you play it and plan it, the more it can, it gives the song time to breathe and live. And then once you get to the studio, in our experience, we're, it's ready to be dropped. And about the only thing that changes is in post-production are basically guitar solos and fills and because we track everything all together except for the vocals and then the overdubs. And the overdubs are, are fluid. And, and Hannah's really good about knowing what she wants to do in the studio, but she's, she's open to any suggestion. Um, it's like... For an example, and over my head, she does this incredible climb. She was doing it, and we were like, wow, that's awesome, but can you go one more step? And so she's like, okay, I'll give it a try, and she does it, and she goes another four steps, and everybody in the room is blown away. We're like, no way. So there's a, wow. there's a lot of fluidity within the vocal performance and, and some of the overdubs, but for the most part, everything's prepared, and it's you know extremely tight and neat. Mm-hmm. Well... A few more questions, but before we wrap up, I want to make sure that people listening know where to find you online and where to find your music. Yeah, so they can go to our website, graymusic.com, G-R-E-Y-E music.com, um, and that's kind of the hub for everything, show dates, music, uh, social media links, but we're also at Gray Music on all of the social medias, and you can find us on iTunes and Spotify as Gray um, and all of the other major streaming services, too. Well, I'm going to give a shout-out to the other guys in the band. Uh, you also have Josh Reed on bass. You have Ray Grimard. I hope I pronounced his name right. On drums. Mm-hmm. And Kenny Williams on keyboard. Am I missing anyone else? Have you done any band changes I'm not aware of? Uh, yes, we actually have a um, we actually have a, a, another musician on board, and his name is Lorenzo Rizzardi. Oh, okay. And what does Lorenzo play? Well, he's he's got a um, he's got a musical background. He was he's when he went to Berkeley. And uh, we actually knew him from uh, Seabreeze. Uh, we had the same class, him, Hannah, and I. And so I ran into him, and I said, what are you doing? you want to come play with us? And so now he is our current bass player. Oh, very good. 
Well, see, mm-hmm. you know, to be in a band is is to change personnel many times. <laughs> it's very rare you see a band starting out with one lineup and 10 years later to have the same lineup. But it sounds like you guys have been pretty consistent, though. Yeah, this is the first lineup change that we've had in, in the whole the whole 10 years. Um, but it's, it's great. Lorenzo's fantastic. He's a great player. Excellent. Well, a couple questions. This is a fun one. It's, it's for both of you. So I'll start with Hannah. So what are your either one or two favorite albums of all time? Oh, God. I know. That's, yeah. that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Um, well... <laughs> Oh, you might just have to have to ask Jet and let me take a take a moment. I know it's it's okay, one where like uh, tonight you wake up in the middle of the night and you'll just be flooded with with all these favorite albums you're remembering. I know. <laughs> oh. Okay, Jet, yeah. I'll put you on the spot. So, favorite album of all time. Alrighty. Um, um, well, I definitely know. Um, the first Ambrosia album, it's just a self-titled Ambrosia album. Oh, I keep album. holding on. That had the song, yesterday. I keep holding on. Yep. For uh, yesterday. Yeah. Excellent choice. That is, yeah, that's, I think that's one of the, gosh, that's one of the finest albums. Like the whole package, the, the recording, the quality, the performances. Ambrosia is one of my favorites, and that album just, when I discovered that, it blew me out of the water. I just thought, "Oh my gosh!" It's, I was like, "I'm not. I'm like, I'm not good at this at all." Listen to these guys, you know. Um, yeah, and, then, and good good singers too. Yeah. Oh yeah, phenomenal. We we saw them, I guess, maybe two years ago live, and they were incredible. And they were writing new material, and it sounded just as good as everything they've done. I, it was amazing. So that's nice. definitely one of my favorites. It gets harder now to think because there's so many good ones. But I think an, an album that I can always come back to and it always stays fresh is the, is the Genesis, self-titled Genesis album, where Phil Collins mm-hmm. takes over as the lead singer. Mm-hmm. That, Ex- I mean, excellent just, choices. Yeah, it's just, it's, those are just incredible i mean but the list goes on forever you know there's the millions of zappa records that are incredible i mean Mm -hmm. it's just forever you know well you you picked two bands with with uh ambrosia and genesis where they both bands went through some big transformations in their career and and really their their sound really evolved quite a bit absolutely yeah you know i mean i i'm very much more familiar with the phil collins uh uh, led uh, vocalist performance on Genesis stuff. But uh, I do know there are some people who just don't subscribe to him as the, as the singer and they just stay on, they just love Peter Gabriel's voice and they love that approach so much, you know, it's, and uh, it is, that was a huge change. Um, and even Ambrosia became more tangible. You know, they were, that first album is very, is a very progressive rock album there's a lot of cool time changes and parts and interesting things and sound effects you know and i think they did shift some of it into you know stuff that's more tangible which that's okay too Mm -hmm. and van halen did you like david lee roth led van halen or sammy hagar led van halen better yeah that's a tough one because they're they're what i really what I like about both of them are just different qualities, you know. I think they were both stellar. I mean, they're both they're both fantastic. I really like Sammy Hagar's personality, like as a human being and on stage. I mean, there's there's a pop, there's an attitude that he brings. But you know what? It, it's it's hard to pick. I think I think equally for different reasons. You know, I think you can really enjoy both of them. Mm-hmm. Well. Hannah, you've gotten some extra time here, so I'm expecting an extra good answer from you. Um, well, Jet totally stole Ambrosia by Ambrosia from me, um, but that's fine. We can just both agree that it's a fantastic record. Um, one that I can listen to any time of day, no matter how I'm feeling, regardless of the song, is Jethro Tull's Stick as a Brick. 
Um, oh, yeah. It's one of my favorites. It just is so busy. And there's like a song for whatever mood you might be in. And I'm also a huge Broadway buff. Um, and that album is very theatrical to me. So I just, I love everything about it. Very inspired um, and my, choice. Yes. And my second one is a little more maybe obscure, um, but it's Chris Squire's Fish Out of Water. It's one of his solo records, and it's pretty short. It's only, I think it's five or six songs, but it's just, it's so gorgeous. I love his voice. I love the instrumentation. I think it's a great record. Okay, you stole mm-hmm. that one for me. That's my favorite now, too. <laughs> well, you guys are really in sync there. thing about the band is we we spend a lot of time together practicing, obviously. And the cool thing about our drummer, Ray, is that he's able to say, hey, guys, why don't you check out these albums? So, you know, just check these out because, you know, he's older than us, so he's experienced more musical changes and, and would hear things that we, you know, would never listen to because it's, you know, all art is derivative and it's you don't know it exists until somebody shows you it. Yeah, so, we all have traveled so much together over the years that we all end up sort of listening to the same music anyway, because it's whatever has played over the, over the road on the bus. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Ray would give us these almost like these homework, assi- homework assignments saying, Hey, check this stuff out. You guys might like it. You know, maybe there's something you can learn. And, and um, I mean, I, I, you know, and more albums are coming in my head, you know, Pretzel Logic, Steely Dan. That's one of my favorite albums. You know, mm-hmm. so the band, the band is really cohesive musically together. Like, we all are in the same musical pool because we're always listening to something different that one of us recommends to each other. Okay, so when you're touring, what is the the oddest thing you have on your writer? What are your backstage demands? Hmm. Oh, we put something funky on there, but I don't remember what it was. Was it uh, cranberry juices? Was that no, it? <laughs> no, Karen and I were laughing about it the other day, but I don't remember what it was. I mean, I guess cranberry juice is kind of a strange one. But, but we're not super picky or super strange. That's a, yeah. It, you know, um, you you have to think about it, Hannah. It might pop into your head. I know. Oh, well, I'll marry All of this will happen midnight tonight. Your writer will pop in your other favorite album. <laughs> okay. Here, here's one, one last question. And this is another thing you always see in a movie before a band goes on stage. They're standing in that circle, holding hands, doing their own prayer or meditation or whatever. What is the gray before you go on stage ritual, what do you guys do together? Well, um, I'm, I'm sure you've seen Spinal Tap, right, Kelly? I love This is Spinal Tap. I love I love the song Stonehenge from that. Oh, absolutely. You've seen the film, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, our ritual is the, is the same as theirs where they have to run through the hallway and the hallway never ends and they, and they, and they get lost. And they're like, no, no, it's this way. And they're like, yeah, rock on. And then it's the wrong way again. Oh, my. <laughs> nah, do you guys get now. lost a lot? Do you, do you guys have a bad uh, uh, GPS? <laughs> no comment. No, no, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. We're pretty, we're pretty good. Um, I don't know about anyone else's personal personal rituals, but um, I, as a as a band, I think I think we all just are ready to rock and roll. I think you know it's. Hey, let's go. It's, it's time to step on, and it's you know we just trust in each other, and just you know had a great sound check, and it's we all know it's go time, and when it's go time, we are a thousand percent ready, and that you know makes me feel great. Yeah, there's a look that we give each other. You know, I go and put on my leather pants and smear myself in glitter, and then get back on stage, and occasionally I will lean into everyone and say, "Break a leg, gents," but. For the most part, it's just a look because, like Jet said, we, we just have been together for so long that we trust each other, and we know that it's time. All right, I'll give you the last word here. So, Jet, in one sentence, tell me what is the best thing about being in gray? 
Hmm. I'm, and I'm asking him first, Hannah, so you have extra time to think about this. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think the... Hmm, it's got to be a sentence, okay? I, I, will, I will not speak a whole paragraph, okay? It's um, very hard for you, we know. Yeah, I know. Uh, this band is... Uh, this band is real. This band is a family. Uh, you know, this band is genuine. And I know that's three sentences, so either one of those will work. That's good. Boy, you, think, you showed a lot of restraint there. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like that. Right? Only three sentences. <laughs> that's good. That's good. What do they say? Brevity is the sign of something. <laughs> Probably genius yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> and Hannah, what, what, what is in my case. <laughs> what what does gray mean to you, Hannah? Oh, I I'm gonna probably steal Jess and say that we've been doing it for too long for it not to be my family. So I just I I think I love the people more than I love the music at this point, and that's that's saying something because I love the music with my whole heart and then some. Well, the band is Gray. Their latest album is so far so good. Current single, Over My Head. Really appreciate you both taking the time out. And you guys are good. It's really hard to juggle two two people at the same time to talk to. But you guys were great with that. And it's Jet Wolf. And Hannah Summer, I'm just really looking forward to you guys touring and especially wishing you just a lot of success with this album. Oh, thank you so much, Kelly. We appreciate that very much. And thank you for having us. It was so fun. Yes, thank hey. you so much. It, it's it's been such it's been so fun. I I love it. <laughs>